Good morning, Phoenix Bible Church. Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Some of us are in this room, and let me just tell you, it's good to see your faces. It's good to be able to say, good morning. It's good to be with you, and for that actually to be true. Right, I'm with some of you, and I know many of us are still joining online, and we're so thankful that you are joining in as well. I know some of you are new, thankful that you are here. here. My name is Tim, and I'm the pastor here, and I welcome you to our church. We say it's a kingdom outpost where we see the love of Jesus moving in us, but also through us as we leave this place. And so the place is not special. It's the people of God empowered by the Spirit of God. Amen. But it sure is good being back in this place. Come on, somebody, right? It's good being back in the space. So we can thank God for that. And um, hey, I know these uh, last five months, I think I've been saying six months, even in videos. Maybe you've picked up on that. I think it's five, right? I'm not that good at math. But it feels like a long time. That's the point, right? And and I just want to let you know, and before we dive into the sermon this morning, just to remind us, what's God doing during this time? It's been a hard time for many of you in your lives, like vocationally, financially, physically, for some of you, emotionally, for some of you. You're back in church today because you just said, hey, I can't do this thing on my own anymore. I need to be around people, mask up, and do this thing. And it's been a hard season for a lot of us in here watching online. It's been a hard, confusing season. And maybe you've asked, like, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? So I just want to remind you on a church level what God is doing, what he has been doing. From the most practical detail, God redeems all the details. He doesn't waste one moment, amen? And he's done that these last five moments, and so, five, five months, rather. And so even little things like this stage that I'm standing on, last five months, this stage got renovated. Amen, band? Right? It's different up here, and, and we have more room. The band can kind of stretch out, you know? And they can praise God, and we can proclaim God from this stage. Just a little thing God has redeemed in this last season. If you look around, we wanted to, from the very get-go, said, hey, we're going to welcome people back in this room. What is that going to look like? And we said we, we want it to be healthy and hospitable. And so if you walked in, you saw hand sanitizing stations and, and masks that you could grab and, and all these sorts of things that, that we could have a, a safe and hospitable place for you to worship, that God's been redeeming that in these last five months. That if you look around, you might see some more equipment in different places. And if you're at home, you're watching church right now from your living room or your kitchen, however you roll. And you're doing that because God has redeemed equipment and technology. So we might see the gospel of Jesus Christ not just happen in this place and be proclaimed in this place, but outside of this place. Let me just tell you, that's happened. And as excited as I get about the stage and some equipment and sanitizing stations, that's why we're here, is to see the, the love of Jesus move in us and through us. And, and listen, I know online is hard. Right? It was hard for me preaching just to a lens. Like, I'm excited to see your faces and preach to you, even with masks on. Right? I know online is hard, but God has redeemed even that. Did you know that's possible? God can redeem Zoom calls. He's all-powerful, clearly. God can redeem Facebook Live. And YouTube, and he has done that. Not just to people like to keep us connected, I'm thankful for that, but to to other people who are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ in our city, other parts of the valley, other parts of even the world. People who aren't believers in Jesus, who, like this week, I was getting my hair cut and talking to my barber, and I invited him to church, and he did not say yes. But 
he hasn't been to church since he was little, and he was in an Orthodox church, different kind of tradition, and I was like, hey, do you even know like, what it's like? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been watching you online. See, God is redeeming these five months. He's redeeming the next five months in ways we can't always see. And he's done that for us as a church. So we haven't been physically in this space on a Sunday, but God's moving more than just in a space. He's moving in a people through online platforms to draw people to himself. So I know it's been hard, and I know it's been confusing, but God is redeeming every moment of it. He will not waste it, right? And here's the beautiful thing. Here's why I'm glad you're here today, is we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. So whether you watch online, whether you're gathering with your community group right now, whatever you're doing, serving, giving, we get to be a part of that. We are the church of God, empowered by the spirit of God. We get to be a part of him redeeming all these things. Even when it's hard, even when it's confusing, even when it doesn't make sense, we get to be a part of that. And so listen, church, I've done this the last several weeks. I want to do it again. Thank you. Thank you for being the church. Thank you for your ongoing prayers. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your serving. We have, we have a box out there that is, is meant to, to serve. We're supposed to put uniforms for the school across the street that, that can provide their own. And we're, we're putting uniforms to do justice, love mercy that we talked about several weeks ago. And, and thank you for those who are contributing to things like that and other things. If you haven't, go online. Even online right now, you can give to the uniform drive and come back next week and bring those uniforms to help and, and be the church. And thank you, church, for doing that. Thank you for giving. Thank you for faithfully, generously giving through these last five months to see the love of Jesus move in us, but also through us in these incredible ways, even in a hard time. Thank you. And I'm glad to be with you. It's a good day, right? Okay, well, let's get into God's word. You guys ready to do that? Okay, yeah, let's do that, okay, even if you're not ready. Even if you're not ready, we're going we're gonna to get into God's word. We are in week three of Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23, even if you didn't grow up in the church or joining us online, maybe for the first time in church ever, Psalm 23 is a famous psalm. It's a familiar psalm. We see it on coffee mugs. We see it in frames around houses. We've heard it at funerals. And because it's so familiar, for a lot of us, it's lost its profound meaning. Right? And so what we decided to do is, hey, we're going to take six weeks to zoom in on these six verses and really see, like, what are they saying? There's, there's some meat behind this coffee cup verse. What is it saying, and then what does it mean for our lives? So week one, we set it off with David. King David writes this, Psalm 23, but he wasn't always a king. He was once a shepherd. And so he writes this from a perspective of a shepherd, and we see this imagery of shepherd and sheep and that God is our good, sovereign shepherd. And that we all have wants and needs and lack, and he doesn't invite us to ignore those things, but rather invite him into those things, because he's our good, our sovereign, our shepherd. And then week two, we, we saw as our good, sovereign shepherd, he does good things for us. Like he gives us rest. And not like just relaxing, or streaming, or scrolling, or ice creaming. God gives us nourishing rest, we said last week. The, the, the rest that causes our soul, our very soul, we see in verse 3, to be restored. And so we, we've been seeing this good sovereign shepherd, this imagery played out from King David, and see how it affects our lives 
And in verse 3, second part of the verse, look at it with me. We're going to see that continue. King David says this. Look at the Bible with me. Psalm 23, second half. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, again, you're thinking, Tim, we're going to preach 30 minutes for, for that. Okay. Yeah, we're zooming in. Ready? We're zooming in. So if you take notes, we're going to break this into three parts. The first part, he leads me. He leads me. David, he's continuing this imagery of sheep and shepherd that God leads us. He guides us. Some translations will say like a shepherd leads sheep. And what he's really doing, he's, he's showing us the result of verse 2. That, that verse 2, he says, he makes us lie down. So verse 3, there's a purpose to lying down. It's so he can lead us forward. You see, that's why rest is so different than escape, that, that escape is, is numbing to, for, to forget your circumstances. That's escape. Rest is different. It's nourishing to move through your circumstances. Right? So God is, is making us lie down, but it's not so we can just stay lying down. It's so we can move forward in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of dry, rocky land. There's green pastures, right? And that's how God leads us. Now, as we think about leading, again, we kind of hear this, like the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me, he leads me in paths of righteousness. We can quote all these words, but what do they really mean? What does leading look like? Well, remember, sheep, shepherd. We're the sheep, he's the shepherd. Now, unfortunately, sheep often are looked at as dumb, right? And that's describing you and me, right? Sorry about that. But God uses this illustration to describe us all the time. We're the sheep. And really, he's not just wanting us to wallow in the fact that we're dumb. He's wanting us to see we're utterly helpless without our shepherd, that we need somebody to lead us. And if we, if we don't have somebody, and you've seen sheep maybe do this in Queen Creek, I don't know, somewhere else besides Phoenix, you've seen sheep kind of wander if they don't have somebody to lead them. And, and we're like that. And so we have that imagery as well. We have the author, David. I just love David because he's a man after God's own heart. But if you really read the Psalms, especially, you see it expressed in his heart. David was on the run. If you look at David's life, he was on the run from King Saul for a big portion of his life. He was on the run from his own sin. Eventually, he was on the run from his own son who was trying to kill him. That's David who writes this. And so get this. When David says, he leads me, that's not a coffee cup verse. That's not a, he leads me like he gives me advice when it's convenient for me. No, David is talking about, like, I'm on the run all the time from my own sin, my own son, King Saul. I'm on the run like he leads me like it's a complete submission. It's a radical surrender. He leads me. And so this is what we're talking about. What does it mean to be led by the good sovereign shepherd? David is trying to paint that picture for us. Now, we kind of ebb and flow with this whole being led thing, right? I, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we kind of saw commercials that were always like, hey, we're going to get through this. Nothing can affect us, right? Apple was like, creativity goes on. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's smoothing country, Texas, Austin voice, right, was like, to every red light, there's a green light. All right, all right. right? <laughs> and we all listen to that. And we're like, we do kind of have this. Pandemic, you ain't got nothing on us. We're going to get, I'm an American. I got rights. I'm going to push through this thing, right? And now five months in. I haven't seen one of those commercials in a while. I saw Matthew McConaughey interviewing Dr. Fauci trying to figure out what's going on, right? And we're all like, we're struggling. 
Our health is struggling. Our jobs are struggling. Our families are struggling. Come on, don't look around. But it's a lot harder, we're all realizing, to love these people in our homes who never leave. <laughs> amen? I mean, maybe you shouldn't say, if your family's there, don't say amen, but it's hard. And we're all at this point now, like before, five months ago, we're like, I got this, pull myself up by my own bootstraps, nothing can take us down. And now we're kind of like, it'd be nice if somebody let us. It'd be nice if we had some solutions, some help in this situation, some clarity. It'd be nice if like sheep, we had a shepherd to guide us. And see, I think all of us right now, August 16th, we actually want to be led. And here's the reality. We've always needed to be led. Just the illusion that we didn't, it's been painfully removed, right? We've always needed leadership. No matter what commercial we used to see or how we used to live life, we've always, pre-pandemic, we needed to be led. I was telling my wife this uh, the other day. This is just getting a window into my brain as a pastor and preacher who has illustrations about everything in life. Just the other day, we were going to the pool to swim, and I was trying to put on sunscreen, and I tried to put it on my back. And that's hard. I got limitations. So it dawned on me, this Phoenix, sunny Phoenix illustration, it dawned on me, like, hey, everybody thinks, like, I got this. I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps. We can do anything by ourselves. Like, we're strong people. Until they think that, until they got to put sunscreen on their back. Right? That at some point in life, you realize you have limits, and you need to be led. And we're all realizing that right now. Now, as we look at he leads me, David's very clear who leads him. Who leads you? And by, by leads you, again, remember, we're not just talking about like, yeah, who gives me wise counsel every once in a while when it's convenient for me? By, by leads you, I don't mean just like, where do you, what blog do you read for advice? Or by leads you, I don't even mean just simply reading your verse of the day and taking that with you. Remember, David, who's running from Saul and his sin and his son, the imagery of sheep and shepherd. But who leads you like that? Who are you in complete and utter submission up under? Who are you radically surrendering to? Maybe I should say it this way. Who's directing your emotions when you share that thing online? Who's doing that? Is it you? We've already established you can't put sunscreen on your back. Right? It's probably not a good idea. Who is, who is directing your, your thoughts and your words when you're having a conversation about the current political climate and you lash out at them and instead of just debating a point, which is good, you destroy a person? Who's influencing that? Who's that voice in your ear? Who's leading you? Is it you? Is it your favorite blog, your news channel, is your favorite organization, group text, political candidate? Is it that? Or is it your good, sovereign shepherd? We have to ask that. As David says, he leads me. As we want to declare that truth, he leads me in these confusing hard times. He leads me in these tense times, in these polarizing times. He leads me that I want you to declare that. That, listen, Vote in the presidential election, debate, like do all those things. 
but know who leads you over and above all those things, whoever gets elected. Listen, we're going to get to point two in a second. <laughs> it's been a while, right? As confusing, as hard, as polarizing as these last few months have been, I, and I don't know if it's possible, but it's just going to become more so in the next few months. Right? Conventions, debates, elections are coming. Facebook is coming for you, right? And it's going to get more polarizing. And listen, as I think about, like, he leads me in, like, radical surrender to our good sovereign shepherd, my prayer for Phoenix Bible Church, my prayer for the Big C Church, but my prayer for Phoenix Bible Church is our world gets more confusing, that the church would become more clear. He leads me. That our good sovereign shepherd leads us. And you vote the way you want. You debate all you want. But he leads us. And that is reflected in our emotions, in our sharing, in our posting, in our conversating, in our acting. That it is clear in all the confusion of our world that the church is led by God. Our good, our sovereign shepherd. And that as people wonder about a lot of things, they don't have to wonder that. At least about Phoenix Bible Church that we would lead the way in that. My prayer for you is that you would declare, like David says, he leads me, and that would be true of your life in every season. Now, the second thing is he leads me in paths of righteousness. So God is leading us somewhere. Where is he leading us? He's leading us in paths of righteousness. Now, if I was to write the Bible, which would be a bad idea, just to be clear. If I was to write Psalm 23, bad idea as well. And as I read this this week, I would have written it a little bit differently. I would have said maybe he leads me not in paths of righteousness, but in paths of happiness. Especially right now. Like, he leads me in paths of comfort, of ease. Like, that would have washed over my soul better than righteousness, right? So why paths of righteousness, not happiness? Well, first, the Bible is a realistic book, Right? The Bible's not gonna sugarcoat things for you. And so the Bible's not gonna say he leads me in, in paths of sunshine and butterflies. When God knows that's not where you live. You see, some of you have said in your life, like, the Bible's not really practical, I don't really understand it. Couldn't be further from the truth. I, even in this psalm, the Bible says, hey, there's green pastures, but there's also valleys of the shadow of death. The, the Bible enters into your difficulty and to your reality. The Bible is a realistic book. So it doesn't put you on some path towards happiness that can't, you can't experience in this world. No, it says pursue righteousness, passive righteousness. The Bible is a realistic book. Second thing is righteousness brings glory to God, but it also brings joy to us in the long run. Matthew 6 says it, Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, the Bible is going to tell you, hey, if you pursue past, if you hunger and thirst for comfort and ease, that you actually, you may find it for a little bit of time, but it won't sustain you, and that you actually need to pursue something else that will sustain you, and that when you pursue that, a path of righteousness, hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God, that can actually lead to the happiness that you were chasing to begin with. Right? And so he leads us in the path of righteousness because the Bible is a realistic book and because that's ultimately what brings glory to him and joy to us. Now, our tendency right now is to hunger and thirst and chase after the path of comfort and ease. 
our tendency right now is to, to chase after in-person school. <laughs> That's just me, personal confession, right? To chase after football. Again, personal confession. Yeah, amen. Our, our tendency is like, if it could just get back to normal, when this is all over. You said that? And our tendency is to want to be led down paths like that. But, but David and God is telling us, I'm a good sovereign shepherd. I'm the one who's leading you. You're the sheep. I'm the shepherd. Here's where you need to go. It's paths of righteousness. Now, now why does he do that? Well, part of it is he's our shepherd. He's our protector. Right? And God knows if you follow all those paths down, even football, as great as it is, as in-person school, please, Jesus, come one day. <laughs> As we follow those paths, though, to comfort and ease, or our political candidate, as we get riled up about those things, we follow those paths, eventually they will fail us. See, in John chapter 10, a passage you should read, it, it parallels a lot of this sheep and shepherd as Jesus talks about that. And Jesus will say, and he'll talk about hired hands who will lead the sheep instead of the shepherd. And he says it in John 10, verse 12. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, he'll see a wolf coming and leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf will snatch them up and scatter them. See, your good sovereign shepherd loves you. He knows what's best for you. He wants what's best for you. And so he says, hey, come along with me in a path, not of comfort, not of a policy, not of a political candidate, not a pleasure. I'm going to take you down a path of righteousness. And that's going to be what's best for you. And I'm going to protect you from going down every other path that will eventually fail you in the end. Why does he do that? Well, he's our good sovereign shepherd. He's not a hired hand. To contrast the hired hand, Jesus says, hey, I'm the good shepherd. How do you know? I don't just say it. I lay my life down. I show it. And we can trust him, that he's leading us down a path that's best for us. Even when you want it to say, well, can't it just, he leads me in a path of happiness. Can't, Jesus, come on. He's protecting you from chasing those things that will fail you. And he's bringing you close to his righteousness that will fulfill you. So, I think one of the reasons we don't get geeked up about being led in paths of righteousness is we think of rules when we think of righteousness, right? We think of, okay, do these, so it's a path, Tim, it's a path of like, do this and don't do that, and we just purely think of rules, and we don't get super excited about that, right? But you have to look, again, biblically, we have to zoom in on these things and learn what is it trying to say to us, and we just look at David, David, who pens these words, think about David. God handpicked David to be king. Not when he had done a lot of right things. No, when he was about 10 to 15 years old, scholars think, and he was a shepherd boy who was kind of an outcast. That's when God handpicks David. You see, even David, as he writes this, he would have known, hey, relationship in the Bible precedes rules. And so as you and I just think about, okay, righteousness, like, oh, that's great, amen, I'm supposed to say that, right? <laughs> I guess there's a bunch of rules, a path, that sounds great, Tim. No, biblically, relationship precedes rules. We see that in the life of David. We see it in David's ancestors in the book of Exodus. 
right? God rescues the people out of Egypt and slavery. He brings them out. You know when he does that? Exodus 14. You know when he gives the Ten Commandments? Exodus 20. Relationship precedes rules. David knew this in his own life. His ancestors knew this. His lineage that would bring the eternal king, Jesus, he knew this. It's why when Jesus is asked, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? I can ask him that. Hey, hey, Jesus, there's 10 commandments. There's really 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Hey, which, one, which one's the greatest? And you know what Jesus says? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's Jesus saying? Hey, do's and don'ts are important. All the commandments are important. Rules are important. But they mean nothing if you don't have relationship. The first thing Jesus says to his disciples is what? Follow the rules? Follow me. Because relationship precedes rules. Anybody excited about righteousness now? You should be. Yeah, you can whoop for that. You can whoop for righteousness. Because biblically, it's not just do's and don'ts. They are important. You need to obey God. You need to look at his commandments. But some of you are doing that without a relationship with him. And so no wonder you don't get excited about paths of righteousness and being led in that. Because you think of rituals and rules. David's talking about a relationship that leads to some rules that will protect you because he's your good, sovereign shepherd. So what are you being led in right now? It's a confusing time. Are you being led in a relationship with, with Jesus where he says, I am the way. I am the path. He doesn't just show us a path. He is the path. Are you following Jesus? Are you loving Jesus, living like Jesus, leading others to Jesus, our mission statement? Are you doing that? Are you being led in paths of that kind of righteousness? Or are you wandering around in paths of comfort and one day we'll get back to normal and one day there'll be a vaccine? Listen, I want all those things too, just to be clear. Let's pray for those things. But ultimately, the next step you need to take today is be led in a path of righteousness. That'll be independent of any vaccine, circumstance, school, all those things. Right? Where are you being led? What path are you in? Is it a path of righteousness? Last thing. He leads me in paths of righteousness for, here's the purpose of all this. Here's why, here's why it's so important to get he leads us and where he's leading us. It's for a purpose. And he says, for his name's sake. See, David is making it clear, this is not about you, right? It's about God. It's not about the sheep. It's about the good sovereign shepherd, that, that he's leading us for his namesake, his character, his reputation are on the line in this. This is all about him. And it's not just in that one phrase where he says that. The whole psalm is woven in this idea of God's namesake, his glory, his renown. It's not about us. It's not about our righteousness. It's not about our conduct. It is about his glory and his glory alone. If you just look at the psalm with me, we see it all over the place. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me for his name. Verse four and five, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, you prepare a table, you anoint my head with oil. This is not about us. It's for his name. Now listen, that's actually good news for you. 
Right? See, there's, there's two big implications of this. One is accountability. The second is assurance. Right, first, accountability. Like if it were just to say, like, he leads us in path of righteousness and put a period at the end of that sentence, what does righteousness really mean? I mean, does it reflect us? Does it reflect some things I know how to do that are right? If he left off for namesake, we would just think of some abstract morality or some list of do's and don'ts. But he says, no, no, it's a righteousness that stems from his name. So right away, that gives us a picture. Okay, righteousness, like, it's Jesus. I am the way. He's righteous. Well, how does Jesus live? What did Jesus say? That's righteousness. It gives us accountability. <laughs> we live in a world where everybody thinks they are right. That's why Facebook exists, right? That's why everything else is going to close down, I'm convinced, in our world, but Facebook will still be trucking. Why? Because everyone thinks they are right, and we need a platform to let the world know. That's Facebook. Come on. I mean, just summed it up right there. We all think we're right. We all, that's, why we, that's why we get so heated. Y'all are trying to beat people up for the most part. You just think you're right. For his namesake gives us some accountability with our righteousness. Okay, so you're right. Does it match up with the righteousness of Christ? Because if it doesn't, you're on a different path. There's a way that seems right to man, Proverbs would tell us, but it leads to death. The one right way. It's not confusing. We overcomplicate this. The one right way is the way of Jesus. The one righteousness that we have a standard to uphold is the way of Jesus. I mean, we say, well, he, he tries hard. I mean, he's a good person. I mean, maybe he is. He's got some good points. Is it the way of Jesus? Is it the path of Jesus? Is it for his name? Is it reflecting his reputation? If it is not, it's the wrong path. It's the wrong righteousness. So David gives us some accountability. He says it's for his name's sake. And then second, it's for assurance as well. That our righteousness is not dependent upon our name, our resume, our reputation. No, our righteousness is ultimately dependent on God's name, his resume, his reputation. That's why the Apostle Paul could say this in Philippians 1.6, that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in me will complete it. How can you be so sure, Paul? Because it's his righteousness. It's his name on the line. It's his reputation. Right? That even when we stray, and as sheep, we all have gone astray. Many of us in this season, we have strayed. We're on a different path. You're hearing that, and you're like, Tim, yeah, that, that is me. I'm listening to some different voices. I'm being led by other things. Like, I'm saying things that don't reflect the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, even when that happens, we have assurance that our good sovereign shepherd, he's gonna come get us. And again, imagery of sheep and shepherd, not because the sheep is like, bah, does the right things, starts walking the right way. Sheep can't do that. No. Luke 15, Jesus tells a story. He says, hey, a good sovereign shepherd, he leaves the 99, and he goes and gets the one. And I love it, Luke 15, 4 says this, until he finds it. And not because the sheep looks good. 
And not because he's doing the right things or saying the right things. He leaves the 99, pursues and goes gets the, and gets the one for his name's sake. Because his character's on the line. Because his reputation's on the line. Because he's good and sovereign and righteous. So that should take some weight off of you. You should be able, even in your mask, to take a, a deep breath. Ah. <sighs> Okay, so I, I am sure of this. He who begins the work, he'll complete it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not dependent upon you or me. Listen, that's the truth for you if Jesus is your good, sovereign shepherd. Here's my hope for you, is that you could declare right now in this moment, hey, he leads me. And passive righteousness for his name's sake. And that's true for you. And it's not based on you. It's based on your good, sovereign shepherd. Right? Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for being our good, sovereign shepherd. God, I want to thank you that you protect us, that you lead us, you pursue us. God, even when we go off the path, even when in the midst of a pandemic, even when we lash out, even when we think we're right and we kind of lose sight of what true righteousness in you is, God, I thank you for that picture in Luke 15 that, that you'll leave the other 99 sheep and you'll go pursue the one until you find it. And God, I, I just got to believe some of us are here in that place today and maybe we've wondered, are, are you still pursuing us? Are you still my shepherd? Are you still coming after me? Because I feel lost and I feel broken and I feel confused. And God, I pray that we would just be reminded right now in this moment, in 2020, in the midst of everything that's going on, if these men and women know you, you're pursuing them. You're leading them, and it's in your path for your name and their joy. God, help us to know that, to live that, to walk in that. And everybody said, amen.